Hello everybody, this is Tiernan McCarthy Kenny from Tiernan's Tea Time. We get into a good amount this week. First, I talk about Utopia, Travis Scott's new album that he just released last week. Then I get into Anthony Davis's new extension, highest extension in NBA history with the Lakers. Then I talk about Jake Paul, his documentary, his fight, what I expect um, during the fight, different things like that, headlines that they both had uh, pre-fight, pre during fight week though, different things like that. So I hope you guys enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. let's get into Travis Scott's new album Utopia so I want to apologize first if you are on video watching this sorry I look rough I literally just woke up like 30 minutes ago or whatever and I just have to due to my schedule I have to record this right now um, a couple days before I'm recording other things so just to give you a heads up but so Utopia this album was dropped Friday July 28th 2023 via Cactus Jack and Epic Records. It includes 19 songs. The album was a total of an hour and 13 minutes, and it included 17 fe features. 17 total feature features, which is almost uh, one on every song. So they were Beyonce, Drake, The Weeknd, or whatever his name is, I forget, Young Thug, Playboy Cardi, 21 Savage, Future, SZA, Kid Cudi, Bad Bunny, Dave Chappelle, Sway Lee, Young Lean, Tenzo Touchdown, Rob 49, West Side Gun, and James Blake. So as you can see, there are major, major features on this album, especially Beyonce, Drake, I mean, Cardi, Future, like Bad Bunny, that's insane. Kit Cudi, there's just so many. Um, easily will make this album skyrocket. So I went through the album, I listened to it a few times, and I took it apart a little bit and made two categories for Classic Travis and kind of out there songs. The Classic Travis group, I was mostly listening to the flow if that was any different, that was kind of classic. And with the out there songs, it was mostly the beats and different things like that. So for the classic Travis category, I put Thank God, My Eyes, which I put actually on both. I put them on the out there one and classic. Certain songs too would kind of go out, come in, come out, come in. And that was one of them. Um, God's Country, Sirens, and the end of Siren into the Drake verse and the next song was really fucking good. Um, and the next song on the album was Meltdown. So I also, with all the albums I do, I listen to them from top to bottom. I don't put like shuffle on. I literally listen to every every single one in a row. So, and I feel like it's, it's better that way, honestly, because sometimes the album tells a story and this was one of those times where the end of the one song is meant to be listened to right before the other one because it ties it, it leads it up or, uh, yeah, leads it up for the next one. So the end of Siren in the Drake first and the next song, which was Meltdown, was really good. Meltdown, uh, immediate head bop, 
with the Drake um, verse, but the chorus was whack. Um, and I'm also not really a Drake guy. I don't really listen to Drake like that. I like some of his catchier songs. Um, but immediately when you kind of hear him jump on the track, you're like, oh, okay, like, hell yeah. Um, and the chorus was terrible. That was that was really, I would honestly probably would have put this as the best song on the album if the chorus wasn't so bad. Um, it was really garbage. So Fiend, I don't even want to talk about Fiend. Fiend was featured with Playboy Cardi and his chorus was maybe the worst things I've ever heard. Um, and the last verse was just god awful. And I can never, I can't listen to that song again. I know Schizo and Love. And then the outs or out there songs were Hyena, beginning, and the beginning of it reminds me of Kanye a lot. Um, it's kind of funny that they're in sort of the same family ish, whatever the fuck, but I felt like there was a lot of influence from Kanye and that sounded very much like Kanye. Next was Modern Jam. Um, I liked the verse, or I didn't know if it was a verse or a sample, or whatever. Um, I think it was about 75% of the way through. That was really good. My Eyes um, is kind of a slow jam, but the lyrics don't match with the song really, like at all. Um, and the end of it was the classic Travis. But yeah, I don't know. It's tough because when you have a slow song, there's not like a certain criteria lyrically speaking that you have to like fit but you will definitely notice when it's completely out of it's like when artists do like covers of songs really and kind of make it their own and you hear like a classic beat tune whatever riff that you only know from this one song and then somebody will like put trap music on top of it and you're like oh shit and it's more of like a folky sort of thing you're like oh what the fuck um that's kind of how it is it's almost a little bit like pink tape too where like cs and stuff like that where they're playing like system of a down um songs and he's going over it with like this weird rocky slash rappy like flow on it and you're like what the fuck is this um, that's kind of what it reminds me of. My favorite song, hands down, is Further Notice. Um, I love the features on it. The sound isn't out there. Great beat, and I love the twists and turns in the beat, like throughout the song, especially that thing. So let's get into the album review awards, excuse me. And first off, we got Eminem Lyrical Awards. So I picked a verse from Till Further Notice, which was my favorite song, like I just said. I picked uh, 21 Savage's verse, which is the second verse, I believe, in the song, and it goes like this. So, my mama always told me, put yourself first. I don't really fall in love with women, man, because love hurt. I hit a couple broads, I can't lie, I put my dick first. Now you running around playing payback, and that shit hurt. I should have treated you better, 21. Used to deal with lames till she ran to a step around God. Big Dog Savage, I'm a Zone 6 Stepper 21. N-words throwing salt, but the Draco came with pepper. Love that. And that goes straight up. She say we ain't going nowhere because all I do is sex her on God. Whoa, never knew that I had to propose. No 21. I was fine with you being one of my hoes for sure on God. He 
He said she's seen us being somebody's goals. What are those, 21? I thought about giving you the key to my heart, but it's froze. I thought that was tough. Um, I had two lines in there that I really liked. Draco with Pepper, one of them. Uh, well, and we're throwing salt with the Draco with Pepper. That was my favorite. But I also kind of liked, I don't really fall in love with man because shit hurt. I hit a couple broads that I can't lie on my dick first. I kind of fucked with that one too, but I couldn't really pick. So I just did the whole verse. But I think the whole verse is good. Playboy Cardi, Gibberish Award. Besides, I thought this would have been cherry picking. So I didn't pick the chorus of Fiend featuring Playboy Cardi himself. And it literally just repeats Fiend. I didn't pick that. I thought that would be cherry picking. So I picked um, a, a, a line from the song I Know, which was Travis saying this. He goes, I got 20 bitches sucking like bisons. I have no idea what the fuck that means. I even looked up, I looked up in Google, do bisons suck? Because I have no idea, like, what the fuck? A bison? Do you guys know what a bison is? Like, I know what a bison is. And that does not look like something anybody wants on their dick or remotely does anything like sucking a dick. Um, I don't get it. I thought that was weird. Song with the best beat, I put Till Further Notice. Like I said earlier, I love the switch up towards the end of the song. How does the album rank up against the year? So I definitely think it's going to be a top five in the rap genre for sure. And I think it might even snag number one, depending on who else gets dropped by the end of the year. Everybody fucks with Travis. And having all these top, 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 can't stress that enough, features only going to enhance your chances. Um, I mean, I already seen that three or four songs were already uh, trending on Instagram and different things like that, like for stories, reels. Um, then you also have two, like Katie was in an interview and was saying that it was he was uh, awaiting for it, he was excited for it and different things like that. And he said all, a lot of people in the sports space are obviously love rap music and that's a highly, highly anticipated album that everybody's been waiting for. And I think it's been five years since he dropped his last album. Then also after all the bullshit too with people dying at Astro World and that whole case and all that different stuff. So I don't really think, I don't think he dropped anything in between that. And I think it's been about five years, like Frank Ocean pretty much like hasn't dropped shit in like five years. Um, so it's highly, highly anticipated and you have athletes and in interviews talking about it. You got like Probably two, three of the biggest stars on the entire planet. Beyonce, Drake, and Bad Bunny. Probably. Um, and then to put, then to throw in like 21 Savage. The Weeknd. Dave Chappelle, which was so random. Kid Cudi, like all these people. And oh my God, it's so, like, I, so that's how you get your album number one. Is you get like the best people on the planet on it. Whose album does it remind you most? So, funny enough, it actually reminds me of Pink Tape, which I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but the, the, biggest, the biggest similarity, I think, between the two, just like Uzi, he debuted some, or he debuted, sorry, excuse me. I really can't even speak this morning. I, like I said, I just woke up and I just, uh, um, so just like Uzi, he debuted some new sounds, new flows, um, during and both of them during the new album, so some songs were out there, some stayed true. That was both true for both albums, um, but I think he had some good and bad, just like everybody. And I, I think that 
that's the album that kind of reminds me of most. I think Travis didn't really go out of bounds as much as Uzi did. But I do think he's getting to the point a little bit, like on some of the songs out there, that I think Kendrick Lamar went to. J. Cole, J. Cole could have totally done it, but he hasn't done it. Where Kendrick Lamar, hot take, I guess. Kendrick Lamar went to a whole different place in music where, same with Kanye, Kanye did this too, where you go too far out of the box, right? And it, like people make you think you're a god, some sort of like musical genius, and you go way too far out of the box where it's ridiculous. And it's not something you can listen to all the time. It's maybe good the first time you listen to it in the space you're listening to it to it in, but then that's it. Like you can't really go out. Like I can't bump like a lot of Kendrick while I'm driving around or while I'm working out. I can't. I just can't. I didn't even listen to like his whole new album because I was just like, what the fuck? Um, I listened to some of it and I was like, I can't even finish this. It And he got like awards for it and all this different stuff and he's got so much recognition for everything he puts out but i just can't do it and kanye did that too but kanye it's more of with his beats and lyrically he falls behind and kendrick it's it's more his uh lyrics behind uh before his beats and i Travis is kind of getting there where he does certain things like that. He goes way too far outside the box. And you're like, all right, this is just weird. Where am I? You know what I mean? And I hope he didn't fully go into there like Kendrick did, but I hope he doesn't go there because I do like Travis. He's not like my number one or even like top 10 people I listen to at all. But when he has a good song, hell yeah. Like I, I like Travis and I think he's a cool dude. Um, so why not? Why not? Uh, I just hope he doesn't get there. Um, name of album, good, bad, other names, whatever. I kind of fuck with it, actually. I don't mind it. The definition of utopia is an imagined place or state of things in which everything is perfect. And I think that's a kind of cool meaning to, meaning to have on your album. And I kind of think it's pretty on brand for him. I, I would have liked a little bit of different cover art. Um... I like, I like personally like cover art that is a little out there and is super bold and you're like, what the fuck? I like a, a lot of people actually are doing, I think Dave East did this and then there was this other rapper, I didn't know his name, but I just saw it the other day um, about his album and uh, they were doing, um, both had this sort of portrait of themselves but it was in like paint and it was like sloppy smeared paint at least that's what like the texture looked like on the actual album cover and i don't know it was dope and i i just like things like that like a little more abstract like pink tape was just i forget i forget the actual look of pink tape but i think it's just the one with him in the flag yeah i think it's just a flag in like uzi i ain't fuck with that at all and then um utopia is just him it's just Travis like posing in like this dark background and you just see like the light goes on his pretty much his chest and his abs and that's it and I I don't know I didn't really like that as much it's super simple and kind of just bland it's okay it's okay I mean I like dark backgrounds too when it and it kind of shim the light kind of shimmers through it like that and that looks good but I always like when you go out of the box a little bit and like make it look cool as shit and um 
both of those people really didn't do it. But yeah. All right, that is the end of the awards. Um, let me know how you guys like that. Let me know what album you would like to do next. And let's take a break before we get into the next segment. to touch on Anthony Davis's new extension a little bit. So it came out on August 4th, 2023, that forward of the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis has agreed to a three-year, $186 million maximum contract extension, which they're trying to tie him into the franchise through like 2028 for a total of $270 million. Um, this deal is the richest annual contract extension in NBA history, averaging $62 million a season, which is insane. Davis had two years on $84 million left on his contract and recently became eligible to sign the three-year extension, and the Lakers jumped on it, so they got him. Now, do I think that was smart? I don't know. Um, when Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis and you can stay on the floor, he is insane. He is he's fantastic. And I believe it was last year he had an insane stretch and people are already talking about, oh, MVP Anthony Davis, stuff like that for just like a week, because that's how insane it is. And when he really puts, oh my God, when he just goes nuts, he's great. Um, he, his main thing like a lot of other people, is injuries. He gets injured all the time and is very, very hard to keep on the floor. Reason why Lakers haven't really had much success. Um, and now they're kind of, I mean, they got him at a good time, I guess. Like now is the time to really push for the Lakers because they actually do have somewhat of a contender sort of feel to them. Maybe not like, like they're going to go out and win the chip, but like they might go, they'll probably go far in the playoffs for real now and have a better regular season than they did last year where it kind of seemed a little fluky-ish um, just because of how before the trade deadline, how their team looked, how their team played compared to after the trade deadline. And they made so many good moves. Like it's not taking anything away from the Lakers at all because they made so many good moves and made a Western Conference eligible team literally um so and they only got more pickups better pickups stuff like that so i mean they're looking good and if anthony stays if anthony davis stays healthy lebron too lebron too let's let's also end the fucking thing of lebron being like this crazy he's 40 years old and he is so good on the court and all this different stuff of just like being able to stay in the court it's bullshit he, every single year, his his games played has gone down, gone down, gone down. He get, gets more and more injured, more and more off the floor. He's not he's not really reliable either. And that was the entire thing of them in the playoffs. was like, all right, yeah, they can get to the Western Conference Finals if these two could actually stay on the floor. And they did. Um, But it's just like a... 
it's a toss-up and it's a 50-50 shot. And like honestly, if I were a betting guy, I would not bet on them staying on the floor at all. So it's really tough for me to be cool with sighing this guy who who literally gets hurt all the fucking time. Um signing him to like the huge maximum contract extension now he's gonna be there for five years man um i don't know if i would have done it a lot of people were throwing around too like joel Embiid for anthony davis and some people like and stuff like that like i i mean who knows maybe they did and they probably did look for other people all their potential like trade options and different things like that because why wouldn't they i mean maybe not if they were so nervous of that getting out and then him having a change of heart if he wants to be there. I don't fucking know. But I would have looked into that. And if I could make that deal, I would have made that deal in a heartbeat. Um, getting Embiid and, I mean, Embiid too has injury issues. I mean, all most bigs do. But Anthony Davis specifically, I just get nervous of. And I probably would have picked Embiid. I'd pick Embiid over Davis. Um, also, too, you have to th- keep in mind, Anthony is LeBron. Now, he, I believe next year, his deal is up. And say Bronny, Bronny obviously has some recent health issues, so that might put it more of a setback. But if Bronny plays really well at US, uh, USC and with LeBron's connections and stuff like that, goes to the draft, gets drafted, goes somewhere else, and his deal's up next year when Bronny gets drafted... Anybody's pretty much going to take LeBron for the right price. I don't think anybody now is going to trade their star, like a real star for them. But I think anybody would really take them on their team, uh, take him on his team. Um, and obviously, he's going to be a free agent, so I'm not sure if he's restricted or not, whatever. I, I really didn't even do much research for this at all. I just, on the spot, wanted to talk about it because I just saw the headline. So... But he has to keep that in mind, too, because if he jumps ship next year, his main banana is not going to be there, and then you're going to be stuck for another four years. Now, maybe he's had to have thought about that. Um, but, or he or he'll pull some fucking KD shit, or James Harden shit, or Kyrie shit. Or you sign a deal and want to jump early. Dame shit. Like, literally, Dame Lillard situation right now. He's, he might do that. Who knows? Um... So I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have st- signed a maximum contract extension. I think everybody is really trying to go for the money now since the new CBA is in effect. And like this, like every deal pretty much coming out the end of this offseason, which probably won't be many like big deals. But next year, too, when a lot of guys come all uh, are free agents and different things like that, especially LeBron, like you're going to see a new most richest contract ever, like stuff like that all the time because the CBA in effect, everybody's going to be getting more money and you're just going to keep seeing that. So it really doesn't mean much, um, but I'm, I'm more fixated on the five years. You're signing a five-year deal pretty much. So that's what I'm a little like, yeah, I don't know if I would do that if I were Lakers or if I was Anthony Davis. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I, there's really not too much to get into, but let's take another break before you end the next topic.
back. So I want to get into Jake Paul. Um, I know the fight just happened. I'm recording this on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. So I know the, the fight happened last night and I'm going to get into the fight. But first I have a couple thoughts, uh, pre-fight thoughts and different things also with this documentary that I wanted to talk about before we actually get into the fight. So first off with the headlines and their face-off. Um, so Paul and Diaz, August 3rd, 2023, before their fight, um, both security teams got into it, throwing punches. It was a huge brawl. It was reported that Nate Diaz's team threw a punch um, while people were walking off and stuff like that. And But early in the video, it looked like Jake Paul's team actually shoved one of Diaz's guys, and that's what really sparked it. So I thought that was kind of bullshit. Um, and it's kind of funny because I expected if there were going to be some sort of fight or brawl or anything like that, it would have been Nate kind of talking shit and then maybe shoving Jake. Um, and I know it got a little handsy during their actual face-off, um, but it wasn't anything to where it would actually amount to a fight or a brawl. Um, but, and it's also, it's funny because I... I haven't taken in this much Jake Paul content since I was probably a freshman in high school uh, back in 2017, but I randomly watched his new documentary on Netflix, um, which is called The Untold, it's called Untold Jake the Problem Child, which I didn't realize until now that he took the problem child as now like the face of his sort of brand, the name of his, his thing, which... I don't know if he was a problem child. I mean, Logan Paul throughout the entire documentary was saying that he, he's been the problem child forever and different things like that. But they looked like the most typical, like, just most typical, like, Disney Channel-esque family of all time, which obviously Jake was on Disney Channel. So that kind of supports the theory. I don't know. Um, but I enjoy the, jo the doc, excuse me. Um, you get to see a new perspective from Jake, obviously, with them. They're pretty, they, they're conducting the entire documentary, so obviously you're going to see it how they want to be seen. Um, you're seeing their whole narrative. But it was good, because usually everything on social media you see is just pure hate for Jake. And Logan, Logan has kind of calmed down since he's, I mean, I think he does YouTube still, but I think his podcast and Prime, his energy drink, um, company and stuff like that has really been the thing that's taken off and that's kind of what people have been paying attention to for him um but Jake is just pure hate everybody just shits on him and he it you can see and you could see very well through the documentary where you see the behind the scenes stuff he's insanely smart and driven and strategic um through business and he's he's just one of those he's kind of like six nine where he will troll or whatever to make all these videos and, and just piss people off and make himself the villain and he just goes viral. And obviously that's gonna improve your record sales or anything like that or in Jake's case, like tickets, pay-per-views, like uh, all those kind of sales, everything. Like it's a huge quality, it's a good quality to have especially when you're kind of like that. And he's, He's not a boxer. He is a business guy. Um, he's a business guy before a boxer. And it kind of made me a little bit of a fan of him. I mean, it's seeing a side 
that you don't really see, obviously, because this is behind the scenes. Um, and he just has that underdog presence in general, especially through his fights, because he's, he's fighting guys that are always better than him. The majority of his fights, everybody's better than him. Um, at least with a, re- with a uh, background-wise in fights. Like, I mean, you can make an argument with Ben Askren that he just looked like shit and wasn't in good shape. And they're all like... I mean, I think he was an MMA guy too, but just a lot of actual seasoned fighters that have a better um, resume resume than Jake. And I admire that. He's going in as an underdog and he's only lost once by unanimous decision um, to Tommy Fury. So that's good. I mean, that is really good. And I honestly agree somewhat with Tyson's opinion about saying that Jake will save boxing. I mean, for a while now, boxing has been kind of irrelevant, and now he's kind of making it more fun and exciting and actually getting people to come and watch, buy pay-per-views and different things like that. There's a few other fighters that are good that are kind of kind of there doing similar stuff, but Jake is definitely the one who has the biggest social media presence, um, and he's all around just better at marketing than everybody else. And of course, everybody hates him. He has that villain role like I spoke on before. And that only helps his chances. So it's, I kind of agree with him. I think maybe that in a few years, once he gets more and more fights under his belt, and if he has high, more and more high level people like Nate, Silva, Fury, like people like that, it's only gonna, it's only gonna enhance the sport. So no matter what people actually say about him, I think that he's a really important thing to actually save their sport. So, um, I also found myself wondering if the reason why people keep or why he keeps winning Jake is that people, his opponents keep underestimating him. Um, I would say that past tense, but I think Nate is actually doing that as well. Um, What kind of struck me with that is with Nate, he posted that video of him shadow boxing while smoking and different things like that. Ben Askren, Askren came in the ring like chubby. And just got pummeled. And regardless, like obviously we know Nate Diaz has that that killer dog instinct in him where he's that guy that is just the punching bag. He just will get nailed and nailed and nailed and nailed throughout the entire fight. Never goes down. And he can take a punch. Obviously he's he's MMA wise, he's insane. He's he's got a, he's a black belt in jujitsu, different things like that, and he's he's a killer. But regardless, conditioning-wise, different things like that, which actually he's probably the best in, you have you can't take that lightly. And especially with Ben Askren, like you just can't take that lightly because that will make you lose regardless if you have better skills than the other person. And I, I just was getting nervous that Nate wasn't really taking it seriously. And like Nate is my favorite fighter because of all of that. I love, I love Nate. Um, he's, he's not the best technically sound with a lot of um fighting especially uh stand up he's not as great but he's one of the best and he's my favorite so i mean i would just say hate to see that happen to nate especially especially too when you lose to jake since everybody hates him it's it's pretty embarrassing um yeah but luckily unlike some of the fighters jake has gone to blows with nate can actually take a punch like i said and 
will actually stay up. No matter how much this guy's bleeding, no matter if his arm or his leg is broken, this dude is just going to stay up and do it. Um, so getting into the fight, just the walkouts, you can tell how different these two people are. So off the bat, Jake is rolling in with a fucking tank. And he's on top of this tank, this big yellow tank. And then on the walkout, he's got Dirk walking him out and stuff like that. Now, Nate is the complete opposite. Nate just walks in wearing the same thing that he's wearing like when he's walking out. He's got his boys and uh, Nick and stuff like that around him. Now, in the first round, early, early in the first round, like the first like one, two minutes, Jake just pours it on Nate. And you're like, holy shit, like this is going to be a fight. And Nate just keeps wrapping him up slowing down the fight and Nate had the opportunity at the end and like just barely punched him um he does that a lot throughout the fight round two he just seems he's a little more active got a little more pep in his step but not really his punches are super weak he's not really taking it he looks or he's not really taking it seriously excuse me he's lethargic kind of sluggish you can see too like when they get wrapped up he Jake, his arms will be under him, and then Nate will kind of have both his arms uh, vertical right next to his head, and kind of just will like tap him, just like sort of taps him, and that's it. It's really weird. He had one hook about like 75% through the round, um, and that's it. And he just looked like he was kind of prolonging the fight, which later we learned for real. Um, round three, Nate pieces him up a bit, they don't, but they don't really look like strong punches. Um, and he's kind of just like tapping him in the face. Like I said, Jake defended it pretty well, had a solid uppercut and hook on him. Then round four, right out of the gate, Jake is coming right at Nate, jabs, hooks, etc. And Nate towards the end of the round starts putting up a lot, putting a lot more pep in his step um, and seeking out knockout potential. Then starting, you can clearly see it's starting to ramp up. He's starting to take it a little more seriously, different things like that. And Jake's still kind of going at him. Round five, Nate was knocked down by Paul with a fadeaway hook. And you just, you just, the crowd just roars. Everybody's like, oh, wow, wow. Kind of like a similar, it's really similar uh, commentary, like MMA with Joe Rogan and uh, different people like that. And they're all like screaming, like something's about to happen. Um, then Jake cornered him several times and just laid it on him. Um, and like I said, he had the commentators in the crowd just going, oh, 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 oh. everybody's freaking out. Round six is pretty steady, kind of the same. It's the middle of the fight. And Nate Diaz's manager mid-fight said that even though it looks like Nate is kind of getting fucked up and Jake's really laying it on him and stuff like that, that they have Jake in the position that they want him. And he's saying he really wants to pounce on him in nine, 10th round. He wants to do it at the end. So he's kind of just like letting him do it. And he just wants almost like a, a fucking cheater or a fucking leopard or something. Like at the end of the, at the end when he, at the right time, he just wants to pounce on him right at the end and knock him out maybe. But he's also not like a strong striker. So I don't know really why that's his game plan. I don't know. Um, round seven. Diaz was answering back later in the round. Um, Jake opened up pretty strong. Round eight, Diaz continuously ramping up. Few big uppercuts, lots and lots of movement. Few solid jabs on the outside. End of the round, though, it looked like Paul was possibly going to go down. Um, I mean, he's in great condition, for sure. 
but he's not at Diaz's level. Like Diaz is known, especially for MMA, and that's a lot more. You have to be a lot more conditioned uh, as the best. So for boxing, he's got it down pat. And just like Jake, too, in the beginning of the fight, he's going at him, going at him, going at him, super strong. It's like almost like a race where you just immediately start sprinting, but it's like a longer, it's a, uh, it's a longer race and immediately you start sprinting. And I remember like when I was in fourth grade, we had these races and you have different heats and stuff like that. And that, that's the biggest thing they would tell you is like, don't gas out early. Don't, if it's a mile race, don't fucking, don't start sprinting right off the bat when it starts and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it was with Jake. He just, he went too hard, too fast, I think in the beginning. And in the middle of the fight, he starts kind of like slowing down a little bit. Nate starts piling on, but towards the end, he, he kind of gets a little more pep in his step. He gets a little bit better. Um, round nine, more and more pressure from Diaz. He starts talking shit. Um, Jake keeps moving around when G Diaz is really ready to pounce. Um, crowd is just continuously roaring for Diaz. He was just going ham the entire time on Jake. Uh, and this is like he, like his manager said in the beginning, this is when he wants to go at him. Last round, 10th round, final round, Nate pieces him up. And of course, Jake, Jake wraps him up for 10, 12 seconds. Um, it's fucking ridiculous. It's really like a pussy move. Um, I didn't like that at all. And I mean, Jake knows he's probably, he was probably going to win by the decision, but he was also looking for a knockout too. So I don't know if he was really even paying attention to that, but Nate's going at him, you can clearly tell, like, he got him right up against the ring, and Jake just wrapped him up, like, so hard, and continuously through the entire fight, you can hear the ref saying, Jake, Jake, let him go, Jake, let him go, Jake, so I thought that was really annoying, and strategically wise to win the fight, it's good, I mean, it's good, but for as a viewer, like you want them to actually go at each other. So I hate when it keeps getting bracked up. Now, the biggest, the funniest thing was when Nate, Nate towards the end of the fight, um, guillotines Paul for like a second or two while Paul wrapped him up. Uh, I thought that was crazy. And that might've been like a little bit of a, a jab, like come to my, come to my side, MMA, like um, I, I would be shitting myself if I were Paul. But you could tell he checked out a bit too. Like right after Jake kind of wrapped him up for that extended period of time, they kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, they weren't really going at each other and they kind of both, it seemed like they both kind of agreed like, all right, let's just clip it here. Um, and at that very end too, when it, the fight actually ends, you get the decision, Nate gives Paul like a kind of affectionate uh, tap on the head, which is cool. Um, and then obviously Jake wins by decision. It was a pretty entertaining fight all in all. I didn't get to watch um, it live. I wanted to see, I wanted. To, I didn't buy the pay-per-view because the card wasn't that great. If it were like an MMA fight, like a UFC fight, and there's like, a, it's a loaded card, I would then probably get the, get the pay-per-view. But this one just had a bunch of like lower level boxers that I didn't really know. Um, I'm not really a boxing guy. I like the UFC a lot more. So, I just wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not trying to pay 60 bucks for that. Plus the, the pod coming out on Monday and it was on a Saturday. So I was trying to see if I could just find like an illegal kind of like free stream. Um, and they, 
I had them for like some of the other fights in the beginning, but then towards the end, like when I got to their fight, all of them were shut down for copyright. So I, I figured I would just watch the full fight the next day and then give you my take, and that's what I did. Um, it kind of it kind of was what I expected. I didn't think anybody was gonna be knocked out, um, just because Jake's obviously a heavy striker, but Diaz can take a punch like nobody else, and he's used to kicks, punches with less padding. So I didn't think there's no, I didn't think there was any shot that Jake Paul's actually gonna knock him out. Um, and and then the other way, like Nate's not really a striker at all. He's more of an on the ground type of guy. So I didn't really expect him to knock out Jake either. Um, that's not really his forte. So if anything, I thought it was going to be a decision. I didn't really know who's going to win by decision. I could see either one of them doing it. Um, and we'll see what happens next. I heard Jake offered him like a $10 million deal for like a, uh, an MMA fight, which I, I think personally is a publicity stunt. I don't think Jake would do that at all. Obviously, if you... Pay to, I, if you pay attention to UFC just even a little bit and know his resume, Nate's resume, or if you watch some of his fights on YouTube, no way you're stepping in the octagon with that guy, especially if, if you don't have like years of jujitsu and different things under your belt. I don't think there's any way he's actually going to do that. And I'm not even sure Nate would want to do that. Um, I mean, maybe for a $10 million payout, maybe he would. Um, I, I assume that's why he's even doing this. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen, but that, that would be insane. And that, I would buy a pay-per-view for that, probably. Because Jake would probably get his, his arm or leg broken. But yeah, that's it. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Let me know what you guys think. We now, I just got the podcast on Apple Music. Not Apple Music, I'm sorry. Apple Podcasts. iHeartRadio. Um, and there might've been one more, I don't remember, but it's available on a lot of, a lot of platforms now. There's only a few other ones that I can make it available to, but they're super unpopular. So I don't think anybody's really going to listen on there. I didn't even hear of them and I am like a podcast junkie. So I didn't think that was that crazy, but I have them on They If you go to my Instagram, Tiernan's Tea Time, they are on my, in my highlights. I have all of the logos and different things like that with links. So whatever platform you like, I'm probably on. Uh, I hope you enjoyed, let me know. Uh, email me, DM me, especially for the music ones too. Let me know like what albums you'd wanna see or other segments in general, would you, what you'd wanna hear. I hope you guys enjoyed and I'll see you in the next one.